Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Hey, I want to jump in today. I'm super duper excited about this message. Uh, but first, let's go to our text for our series, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 12. It'll pop up on the screen here. It says this, you will build again the old places that the enemy destroyed, and you will build the old houses again. People will call you the person who mends broken walls and the person who builds again streets with houses, streets with houses. I, I, love, I love this scripture because I find our church right here. I find our assignment as a church in this whole series, Neighborhood Hope Dealer, is really unpacking who we are, our mission, our vision, and the values of Fuel Church. So if you're newer here, uh, you, you're going to hear that in the next several weeks. And uh, I, I love how the, the message translation uh, tells Isaiah 58, 12, because uh, it says, we will build again. Somebody say again. again. We will build again. And people will call us the church who mends broken people. The church who is all about getting involved in the brokenness of people's lives. Because the reality is all of us have a little brokenness in us somewhere. Right? Brokenness isn't prejudice. It comes to all of us. And so today I want to unpack the story of the Good Samaritan. Most of us have been familiar with this story and uh, I want to unpack this today with a message entitled, Are You a Good Neighbor? Are you a good neighbor? Go ahead and take that elbow, that pointy elbow you got, and poke your neighbor and say, Are you a good neighbor? Come on, go ahead, come on. This is an audience participation church. So if you like what I'm saying, you can say, Oh, that's good. If you really like what I'm saying, you can say, Okay. If you really, really love it, you can say, Go ahead, preach, white boy. I won't get offended. Uh, are you a good neighbor? Are you a good neighbor? Are you, are you a good neighbor? Are you a good neighbor? Um, how many have that neighbor that um, is always a few weeks late to mow their grass? How many are that neighbor? <laughs> that's me, that's me. I know they're hating on me. I, I, told, I tell them all the time. I'll talk with them, and I'll say, hey, I just need to let you guys know one thing off the bat. I am not going for the lawn of the whole neighborhood award. I'm not trying to have the, the best lawn. I'm, I, I love those yellow flowers that grow in my lawn. I love it. I think it's beautiful. I'm like, this is great. We got flowers growing in our lawn. How awesome is this? I mean, that was Beautiful. He said, well, those are weeds. I said, not in my yard. Maybe in your yard, but those are flowers in my yard. <laughs> it's all about your perspective, people. <laughs> are you a good neighbor? 
they, they came to Jesus, they meaning the scribes and Pharisees in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, and one of the scribes asked this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus comes back with the question, and he says, asks this, what is written in the law? How do you understand it? And the man says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And then verse 29, verse 29, look at this. But the man wanted to justify himself. Justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Now, here's how we see this. This man pulled out a wild card in an attempt to justify himself with this question, who is my neighbor? Stay with me. Because in Jewish culture, only a fellow Jew was considered to be their neighbor. Gentiles weren't considered as neighbors. Gentiles were the non-Jews. They were known as pagans who didn't know God, and they were looked down upon by the Jews. So what the man was saying is, do I really have to love those that are different than me? Do I, do I really have to love those who act different than me? Do I really have to love those that were raised different than me? Do I have to love those from different cultures, those who like different music than me, different tastes of food than me, those who speak different languages, and even those who have a different skin color than me? He was trying to justify himself because the law said, you just got to love those that look like you, act like you, and believe like you. But Jesus came to fulfill the law. So stay with me, stay with me. We're going to go somewhere, and I'm going to have you shouting by the time we're done. You're going to shout. Hit your neighbor and say, you're going to shout. You're going to shout. You're going to shout. We shout in this church. Do, do I have to love these kinds of people is what he was asking. You see, you must understand that the scribe who was part of the religious Leadership in those days, the scribes and Pharisees and the Sadducees were the church leaders. And this scribe who posed the question, he had a great head knowledge about the law. He knew how to dot every I, cross every T to make sure that he stayed within the confines of the law, that he stayed within the confines of religion. Of religion, but, but what was missing in this man was a heart knowledge. Someone say a heart knowledge. And, and that's what Jesus was trying to unpack to him. This part of loving your neighbor as yourself didn't sit well with him. And it doesn't sit well with some of us. It doesn't sit well with some of us at times because Here's the reality. It's really hard to give your neighbor what you do not have. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. How do I love my neighbor when I don't love myself? How, how do I show kindness and patience to my neighbor when I'm not kind to myself? 
How, how do I lift others up with the love of Christ when I don't lift my own self up? How do I encourage other people when I can't even encourage myself? I don't like the man in the mirror. And the scripture said, it starts with the man in the mirror. No, that was Michael Jackson. <laughs> Caught some of you. You're like, where did that? <laughs> that, was, that was MJ. We, we don't like who we see in the mirror. We, we're harsh on ourselves, so we're harsh on others. We nitpick on ourselves. We're never enough. We never enough as a mother, as a father, as a grandfather, grandmother, as a, as a worker. We're never enough. So therefore, we look at other people, and they're never enough to us. Hmm? We can't forgive ourselves. So how can we forgive our neighbor? Hmm? We judge ourselves. So therefore, we judge others. I could hear a pin drop right now. It's quiet up in this Presbyterian church. This scribe was implying this. Listen to me. Scribe was implying that he had fulfilled the law by treating his fellow Jew with respect and keeping up with the law. Therefore, he has earned eternal life by complying with the law. Although Jesus taught us a personal relationship with God gained you eternal life. This man thought he finally had Jesus. As he poses this question, but Jesus is always smarter and wiser than us. And he tells the man the parable of the Good Samaritan. The man wanted to know how to receive eternal life. Jesus asked him, who is your neighbor? The man was trying to find a loophole. Because he didn't want to love people that were different than him. He didn't want to go out of his way. And show respect and honor to people who weren't raised like him. And people who didn't know the law that he knew. People who were outsiders. He didn't, he didn't want to show love to the Gentiles. Those, those, those sinners, those misfits of society. Those outcasts. Those that can't inherit eternal life. Was his mindset. So Jesus unpacks arguably one of the most famous parables that he ever spoke in the Gospels. And here we find it in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Look at this. Jesus answered by telling a story. Answered what? Answered the man's question, who is my neighbor? There was a man, there, there once was a man traveling from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho. On his way, he was what? Attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest a pastor was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, a very religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. But then there was a Samaritan traveling the road and came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. His heart went out to him. And he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds, then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you 
on my way back. Jesus then poses the question, what do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly. The religious scholar responded. Jesus said, what did Jesus say? One more time, church. One more time, you sounded good. Go and do the same. There were three individuals who passed by this man that was left on the side of the road to die. He was beaten, bruised, and bloody, and left for dead. There were three people. There was the priest who looked at him and said, feel sorry for you, but got to keep going. I got priestly duties. (laughs) Then there was a Levite who was known as a church leader in those days, looked at the man and said, I, I, I don't really have time either. Now understand both the priest and the Levi were Jews. Understand that, remember that. And then there was a Samaritan who came and began to minister healing and strength to this man that was left on the side of the road. Mind you, the man that was robbed and left on the side of the road was a Jewish man. He was a Hebrew, the Bible says. He was a Jewish man. Now, I wanna give you some history real quick because you need to understand the context of those days and the context of the text because it's gonna speak loudly to each of us here in a moment. You need to understand between the Jews and the Samaritans, there was some racial tension. Actually, about 700 years, the Bible records, of racial tension. They hated each other, hated each other, despised each other. The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews. Why? Why? Well, the history records that as Jews were exiled after Assyria captured them, they, were, they brought them into a pagan colony from Babylonian, and they intermarried with another race that worshiped pagan gods, and they had children which would become this new Samaritan race, okay? So the Jews hated the Samaritans because of this new blended race, and the Samaritans hated them back. So there was this racial tension for over 700 years, and you can find that recorded for all my note takers, Ezra chapter 9, 2 Kings chapter 17, okay? But this Samaritan did one simple act that changed everything. He walked across the street to help a man of a different race, a different belief system, and a different upbringing. Mind you, they did not fellowship. They were not seen at the same places. They did not live in the same neighborhoods. They were not friends with each other. Mind you, the two individuals that walked by the man before the Samaritan came were of the same kind, the same race, the same upbringing, the same belief system. But the man who stopped and helped the man was not. You were not to be seen with the Samaritans. The Jews were not to be seen and the Samaritans were not to be seen with the Jews. They were of a different upbringing, different belief system. The first question the priest and the Levi asked is, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? What will happen 
to him. I need you to know today that the heart of the gospel, that the heart of our God and the heart of this church is loving people, even those that look different than us, even those who act different than us, even those who were raised different than us, the heart of the gospel gospel compels us to love those that are different. I need you to know that. You can clap for that. Hmm? That's the heart of our God. So I ask the question again, are you a good neighbor. Because here's what some of you are thinking. Yes, I am a good neighbor. I am a good neighbor. Let me get to my two points and I'll ask that question again. I want to unpack two points that will help us to better answer this question and will help us to better neighbor those who are different than us. Number one, we have to recognize our prejudices. We have to recognize our prejudices. Did you hear that? Prejudice, prejudging. Prejudice is confined at, or defined as preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. Can I submit to you this, church? The only thing we should be prejudiced against is sin. Is sin. But how many times do we prejudge people that we don't even know? And we all do it. We all do it. We all do it. And what social media has enabled us to do is have a platform to do it even more. And what social media has enabled this culture to immerse itself in is that spirit of prejudice coming up out again within our nation and being more prevalent than it's ever been before. Don't get quiet on me, because I came to help you today. I believe if we're all honest, we would say we found our hearts at times leaning towards being prejudiced at some point in our lives, some point in our lives. Maybe you grew up thinking all rich people are snobs. All rich people are greedy. You grew up thinking that. That prejudice thought. Maybe you grew up thinking a person who deals with the weight issue, who are out of shape, they're just lazy. I see this is going to be the rough service today. First was shouting me down, weren't they, guys? They were fired up in first. I don't know what happened to y'all. Maybe you grew up thinking a younger person that doesn't have a good work ethic is going to be nothing in life. Maybe you grew up thinking that white men can't jump. I got you to laugh, sir. You were frowning all day. All service, he was frowning. He just laughed. I don't even know who I'm pointing to, by the way. They can't jump. Why? Just ask me. I can't jump. I'm white. Maybe you grew up thinking all Latinos are, all black people are, all white people are. Hmm? Maybe you grew up thinking all pastors are crooks. All pastors want my money because of what you've seen on the news of a pastor who fell. 
prejudging people that you don't even know their story. You don't even know their life. You don't even know their background. You don't even know their name sometimes, and we prejudge them. We're in the grocery store pushing the cart. We're prejudging people because they put two packages of cookies in the cart, and you only put the half pack. That's me putting the two packages of cookies, y'all, and I'm proud of it. Double stuffed Oreo. On my worst day, I'll kill a package. On my worst day, on my best day, I'll kill two packages. Not two rows, two packages, y'all. I felt the Holy Ghost right there. This is where we racially profile people, and can I tell you that it's wrong? Can I tell you it's wrong? Um... I have um, many black friends who I've had conversations with over the last few years since this racial tension, this evil spirit has reared its head. And let me just tell you, we, we, we don't have a skin problem. We have a sin problem. Because racism is from the pit of hell. And, and some of you, some of you couldn't clap for that. Some of you couldn't clap for that because it's been seated in your heart. It's been seeded because racism is taught. It's taught. It isn't born in you because you were created by a God who created everyone equally in his image. Hang on. And there's only one race he created, the human race. And so it's taught. Bad learned behavior is Taught. You were taught to hate those who look different and believe different than us because they don't have the same work ethic or they don't have the same skin color or they don't, they don't dress like us or like the types of food we like. I mean, we could go on and on and on. They don't live in the neighborhood we live in. There must be something wrong with them. They're lazy. They're struggling financially, so they're lazy. No, maybe they just fell on hard times. Maybe we shouldn't prejudge people so much in this culture. Maybe we should get off of Facebook and that would help us with those seeds of racism that were taught by our father and grandfather that are deep down in our heart. That are deep down in our heart because that's all we heard growing up. That's all we heard growing up. Oh, don't hang with those kind of people. They're not your neighbor. They're different than you. They don't believe like you. They're not Christians. Don't, don't talk to them. Wow, really? That's not what the gospel says. I've had friends of different races. I have a friend named Lamoris Crawford, who's one of our overseers. You're gonna be hearing him preach in a few weeks at our four-year anniversary. And he's a black man. And I called him up about a year ago, and I said, I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes to be racially profiled. But I want to know. Talk to me. And for 60 minutes, we had a conversation. For 60 minutes, he poured out his heart and told me how he's been racially profiled time and time and time. This is a preacher of the gospel. This is a man who's doing good all over the world, preaching God's word. And I pray. We prayed together. And then we got a book together, and we're reading it on racial reconciliation. Not because... I just want to understand him and he wants to understand me better and we're just growing in it. It's awesome. And those are kind of conversations we need to have. 
We need to have them because racism isn't right before God, therefore it should not be right to us. Oh, we want people to honor and respect us, but you cannot sow disrespect and reap honor. And some of you are never honored because you've sown so much disrespect towards someone who's different than you. They may be of your same race, but you sow disrespect. Hmm? My second point, as the keyboard tells me, I'm out of time. We need to love those different from you. You need to love those different from you. Jesus said, love your neighbor, not love your neighbor if they act like you, talk like you, dress like you, live like you, drive the same car as you, were raised like you, believe like you. No, he said, love your neighbor. You see, the priest and Levite saw this man laying on the side of the road as a nuisance to avoid. That's what we do with some people. We avoid them. They're they're a nuisance to us because they're not like us. I'm preaching real good. Your amens are shallow, but I'm preaching real good. And, and, And what happens is their reasoning, perhaps their reasoning was like this, and perhaps you can find yourself in their reasoning. Perhaps you've said this. Their reasoning was, I go to church on Sunday. I've done my part. I've done my duty. Perhaps the reason was, I've fulfilled all of the law. I'm okay. I don't need to stop and help this man. Perhaps the reason was, it's not my fault he's hurting and in pain. He probably brought it on himself. It's probably his fault. Perhaps... Their reasoning was, and maybe our reasoning at times, let someone else do it. I'm too busy. I'm trying to take care of us four and no more. I don't have time to get involved in a messy situation over here. This is going to take work. This is going to take time. This is going to take minutes that I could be on social media or Netflix. And come on, somebody. I'm binge watching this weekend. I don't have time to help out that lady at work who's going through a divorce. I got too much scheduled for my family that I don't have time to go take somebody a meal who just had surgery. I don't have time. Like, I'm busy. We're busy. We're busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. Perhaps their reasoning was this man was raised different from me looks different than me. Perhaps our reasoning is they're not like me. Can I tell you that different isn't bad? It's just different. And I thank God out of the 8 billion people on this planet that he didn't make us all the same. Life would be so boring if everybody looked like you. (laughs) So he didn't like that. It would be so boring if everybody looked like you. But God uniquely made us with different temperaments and different personalities. And we were raised in different homes, different cultures, and different languages, eating different foods around different types of people. And that's what makes us unique. That's what makes the body of Christ unique. Will you cross the road and be a good neighbor? The Bible says that the testament 
the indicator light that will go off to this world that you're a follower of Jesus is how much love you show towards others. Love. Notice it, it doesn't say in the scriptures that if you have perfect church attendance, they'll know that you're Jesus' disciple. Doesn't say that, although that's important. I'm glad you're here today. Doesn't say if you serve on five teams, then, then you're it. They'll know you're Jesus' disciple. No, they said it's by the love that you show towards others, towards others that are different than you. How do you treat them at the grocery store? How do you treat your neighbors? Huh? So, some of you have never knocked on the door of your neighbor. They don't even know you're a Christ follower. They don't even know that you go to this awesome church called Fuel. You know what you should do? Instead of saying, well, you know, they party every weekend, they throw, they get wasted, you should bake cookies and take them to the party. You'll be their best friend. Drunk people love cookies. Love cookies. Bake all the cookies you can bake and be a good neighbor. Huh? We, we, ha, have you ever taken one of the invite cards? You know, the little baskets out there. Have you seen that? Probably haven't seen it. Nobody's taken them. <laughs> ha, have you ever taken an invite card and just said, hey, I just want to invite you out to church? Maybe it's what they're searching for. Maybe they ask God for a sign and you are that sign because you crossed the street to be a good neighbor. Just maybe. Maybe that was it. That one invite that changed everything for their life and their family. Well, they don't believe like me. They're pretty messed up. Remember when you were pretty messed up? Remember when you were the guy in the gutter that was left for dead? Remember when you was a lady at the bottom of the pit and Jesus found you and picked you up and gave you another chance? We got to love those that are different. We, we, we got to love those that are different from us. Don't tell me you love God when you can't love people that are different than you. Don't tell me you love God when you can't love a person who has a different skin color than you. I'm preaching right here. Don't tell me you love God. Don't tell me you love God when you are racist. Don't tell me you love God. You do not love my God. You do not love my God. Not the God of this Bible. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, both in the first service and this service, some of you don't like that statement because you've got seeds in your heart and the Holy Spirit is asking you to deal with that today because at this church, at this church, I can't speak for any other church, at this church, we have a core value. It's core value number nine. We are a diverse church culturally, economically, and generationally. That means no matter what age you are, what a race you are, how much is in your bank account, you are welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. You're accepted here. You are loved here. Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? For some of you, it's that coworker. You know who it is. You go on Monday and you're like, I do not want to be that. I do not want to see them. That's your neighbor. That's your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? It's the guy who's gone for the lawn of the year that has scissors down cutting the dandelions out. That's your neighbor. 
Yeah. It's the person in your own home that you have unforgiveness towards. It's the person you lie next to every night that you can't even communicate with anymore because there's walls up. There's bitterness and offense. And offense always builds offense. And even though you're two inches from them, there's a fence in between you. There's a barrier. Who is your neighbor? Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's your adult child who you had a falling out with. And maybe it's time to say, let's make this right. Maybe it's a friend that you had a falling out with. And you say, it was their fault. But maybe it's time for you to say, will you forgive me? Not popular. Probably get a fun message somewhere else, but not today. God's asking us to check our hearts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Who is my neighbor? It's the people who are different than you. It's the people who get on your last nerves. It's the people you pray to God that you don't punch out. And send them to eternity early. It's those people. It may be your own kids. Come on, they your neighbors. They driving you crazy. Who is your neighbor? And 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 here's I end with this. Here's what I want them to say about you, about us, Fuel Church. Not about this building, but when we go out. Here's what I want them to say. Like a good neighbor, Fuel Church is there. I've been waiting to say that for the last 30 minutes. Like a good neighbor, Fuel Church is there. Listen to me, listen to me. What if, what if, someone say what if. What what if we were so radical in our generosity that it literally flipped out people? Now watch this. What if we were so radical? Because we have another core value that says we will lead the way with irrational generosity. And we're always looking for opportunities to bless people and help people, right? But what if we were so radical that we created a ripple effect throughout our community, the state, and the nation? What if we were so radical in blessing people with no strings attached, with no hopes of them ever even walking through our doors? What if we showed them the love of God in such a massive, huge way that it blew their minds, that the community said, I don't know what's going on there, but these people know how to be a good neighbor. I don't know what they're doing at that church, but these people truly are showing the love of God. What, what if we did something that made such an impact that they said, man, I, I don't know the God that they serve, but I want to know more about the God that they serve because of the generosity that's flowing from this house. What, what if we were that good neighbor? What if we you say, man, we, we've really, we've done a lot in our community. No, we haven't done enough. We haven't done enough. Well, we're helping a lot. Yes, we are, but we're gonna, we, we need to help more people. Why? Because it's the heartbeat of God. What if we loved people with no strings attached? What if we loved them? What if we did something so extravagant 
that got the attention of all God's lost kids. And they said, I want to know this God that them people serve. I want to know it. Like a good neighbor. Fuel Church is there. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, for speaking to us. Lord, help us to check our own hearts, each of us as individuals. Examine our hearts, the Bible says. Right now we do that in these next 60 seconds. We examine our heart to make sure there's no prejudice in us. Make sure there's no prejudging in us. And Lord, set our hearts ablaze to love those who are different than us. No matter what culture they come from. No matter what neighborhood they grew up in or neighborhood they live in now or what they drive or what they believe. Lord, let them know today that our neighbors belong here before they even believe. They belong here before they even behave. And let us be that church. Let us be that good neighbor. Let us be that good neighbor that doesn't get preoccupied with our church and our services that we forget to kneel down and love on others who are wounded, who are bleeding, bloody, bruised, and left for dead. Help us to build up those houses. Help us to build up the streets. Repair, to be the repair of the breach. There's, a, there's, there's been a, a, a broken down spot in their life, God, and we're called to repair it. We're called to help them. So Lord, show us this week. Show us today. Show us tomorrow as we go to work. Show us who our neighbor is. Show us what we can do. Maybe it's taking them out to lunch. Maybe it's praying for them. Maybe it's inviting them to church. Maybe it's, maybe it's cooking them a meal. Maybe it's just encouraging them to not give up. Maybe it's telling our story of how God healed us and repaired our relationships and our lives. Lord, help us to be a good neighbor. We thank you. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here today. Maybe you find yourself far from God. We're going to say a prayer with you in just a moment, a prayer of surrender. And we're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to call you up front or anything like that. But maybe you're out there and you say, I need a relationship with Jesus, which is the starting point to everything. You got to know God. You see, God knows you and he loves you, but he wants you to know him personally, personally. Or maybe you're here and you say, I used to know God. I used to follow him, but stuff came up in my life. I just went down the wrong path. Maybe that's who I'm talking to today. You say, I'm ready to get back to surrender once again. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, before we pray, would you just do me one favor? Just throw up your hand and say, Jacob, count me in on this prayer. Just count me in. Go ahead. Throw that hand up. Thank you. 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 The front to the back. Yep. I see all the hands. Yep. Awesome. I see you guys' hands in the back. Anyone else? Say, clue me in. Clue me in. Thank you. Many hands up. If you're thinking about it, throw your hand up. If you're contemplating it, that means just throw it up. Make it right with you and God. If you were to die today, if your heart would stop beating tonight, do you know where eternity is for you? If you're unsure, 
if you're unsure, if you, if, if you can't say with a definite yes, it would be in heaven, raise your hand right now. Throw that hand up. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Great. Let's pray together, church. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Come live in me, and I will live for you. I believe the cross paid for the penalty of my sins to give me a fresh start and a new beginning that starts today in Jesus' name. Fuel Church, put your hands together. Come on, let's rejoice. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.